Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Morning, church. Um, We're going to be reading uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. Um, In the Pew Bible in front of you, the shortcut is page 861. So you can go ahead and turn to that. Um, And also, uh, if you don't have a Bible, then we'd encourage you to take this one. Um, We want you to have God's word available. All right, uh, Mark, verse 21. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Thanks, Jude. I'm glad to be here. As always, um, if this is your first week with us, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And we've been um, walking through in the last couple months um, an exploration of the life of Jesus as it is told in Mark's gospel. There's four accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this is our ninth week. We're going to be pausing here um, as we look at the life of Jesus. Next um, Sunday, it's hard to believe, is the beginning of Advent, which is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and so we'll be doing a special series in Advent uh, over the coming weeks. But today we're going to finish out uh, our walk through uh, almost the entire, almost the first four chapters. We'll stop just a little short. And as we've been walking through Mark's gospel, we've been asking three questions as we've walked through this book together. The first question is, who is Jesus? Not the caricatures of Jesus that you've heard, not the cartoon illustrations of Jesus, but who is Jesus? What does he say for himself? What were his actions? How is his compassion displayed? What did his personality uh, look like? Who is Jesus? The second question we've been asking is, how do we follow him today? What does it mean to follow Jesus as a church, as people in the 21st century here in Renton, Washington, how do we follow Jesus today? And then the third question we've asked is, what are we inviting people into? Well, we know that as, as Christians, one of the missions that we have is to tell people about Jesus. So we need to know who he is. To show people how to follow Jesus. So we need to know how to do that ourselves. And then... We need to know what we're inviting them into. Are we inviting them to a Sunday morning gathering? Is that what it means to follow Jesus? No. Are we inviting them into a new ways of regulations and laws that are, that are good for them? No, that's not what we're inviting them into. We're inviting them into a relationship with the God of the universe, the one that created them, the one that dreamed you and me up. We're inviting them to find real life and real rest and real peace, things that the world can't offer but a cheap imitation of. And so these are the questions we've been asking. And in the first few chapters, 
um, we've seen that the most important part of Jesus' ministry so far has been his preaching. Specifically, Jesus' preaching about the kingdom of God. And, and as Jesus has been preaching, he's been showing why he has authority to talk about these things. How has he been showing this authority? Well, in some cases, he's superseding the natural order of things by healing people that have no business being healed. And so Jesus is demonstrating he is God by showing he has supremacy over the natural order of things, that he can actually change laws of nature so that people might be healed. The other thing that Jesus is showing about his authority is that he has authority not over just the physical world, but also over the spiritual world. And we've seen time and again, and we'll see it further, where Jesus has interacted with the dark forces of the spiritual world, demonic forces, impure spirits, and he has shown his authority over them. Um, last week, Alex walked us through one of the very first parables that we've encountered in Mark's gospel, the parable of the sower. And if you were here last week, it's the, the illustration that Jesus gives is of, of seed that is put on different types of soil, rocky soil, soil that is hardened, soil that is choked out by weeds. And then ultimately, what we all want to be is good soil that produces something beautiful when we hear the words of God. And so what Jesus wants people to consider is he wants people to consider the condition of their hearts as he hears his message. Because again, the most important thing that Jesus does is not the healing, not the casting out of the demons, but of the proclamation of the kingdom of God entering into humanity, entering into history. Um, last Sunday uh, evening at around 6 p.m., um, my father-in-law, Pete Radabaugh, passed away. Uh, it wasn't expected. It was very quick. I had to come home from a, a pastor's conference I was at on Wednesday early because he had been checked in the hospital. And um, his passing was very sudden from Wednesday to Sunday. And as we've been grieving his loss... Um, I've been, we've been thinking about his life. Those of you that have lost loved ones, you know that's what you do. You can, we've, we've been looking at pictures. We've been telling stories. And one of the things that uh, is, brings us a lot of peace to be able to say is that Pete Radabaugh, my father-in-law, his heart had good soil. He had received the word of God and he had let it transform him. Part of, part of Pete's story is, uh, is actually kind of familiar. I've seen this in church. He wasn't following Jesus. Uh, he didn't care about Jesus. And he started, him and his wife uh, had kids. And they began to think about what they were teaching their kids and what foundation they were laying on their kids' lives. And that drew them to the Lord. It drew them first to the idea of church, which is all a good place, and there's good morals and good values, right? Like kind of that cultural Christianity. But eventually what began to happen in his life, in his heart, was that the word of God made itself into the very soul of who he was. And it produced something in him. It changed his life. And so as we've been remembering his life, 
we can honestly say he loved Jesus. And he lived that love for Jesus. And, and because of that, everything changed. Everything changed from that moment on, not just in his life, but in the course of his kids' lives. And honestly, in my life, I never would have met my wife, Jessica, if it weren't for his decision to follow Christ. Jessica and I met on the mission field, proclaiming the gospel together. And so for Pete, when we heard that he was fighting for his life in the hospital, we began to pray for healing because we know that God can heal. Actually, at the very same um, moment that he was checked into the hospital, one of our members, Simon Ngeti, was checked into the hospital and also put on life support. So we were praying for both of them, and we know that God has the power to heal both of them. We know that God's grace works through common means, even, like medical doctors. And so we were praying for that. And God saw it fit to bring Pete home instead. By the grace of God, Simon has actually improved since then, so you can continue to pray for him. But as we, as we reflect on the Gospel of Mark, as I was thinking about that this, this week, knowing that Jesus had the power to heal him, but also knowing that the most important thing had already taken place, that he had received the Gospel. And so now we know with, with absolute certainty where he is, that he, before I get to experience it, gets to experience the fullness of the promise of God. And so as we've looked at the gospel of Mark, as we've looked at the accounts of Jesus' life, we know that the most important thing is this message that he's proclaiming. And so before we look at anything else Jesus says, we should probably stop a minute and think about our own hearts this morning. Specifically, I want us to consider our own hearts as it relates to being able to hear the message. That if, if we receive this message, it has the power to absolutely transform our lives. And I'm grateful to be a part of that heritage, to be a part of that story. Not just me personally, but in my family as well. And if I'm honest, when I think about my heart at times, and I think about the truth of God's word, sometimes my heart is very hard. Sometimes I, I approach uh, truth and information already having made up my mind. And, and I was thinking, why is this? What, what influences in my life um, cause me to reject truth? What influences cause me to, to already have a predetermined idea of how I'm going to respond to something? There's a lot of reasons why that might be. But I, I realized in recent years that, that the, the negativity in our culture that's channeled so powerfully through social media is one of those avenues for me. That oftentimes when I'm looking at my social media accounts, uh, I'm, already, I'm looking for something to disagree with. I'm looking for someone to be angry at. I'm looking for something to to. to to, to throw in somebody else's face and, and show them how they're wrong. And I've realized that I've been influenced, um, really, I would say demonically, by some of the prevailing attitudes of the culture that are channeled through these medias. And so uh, as Alex walked us through last week in this parable of the sower, well, we ought to always consider our hearts. We better do heart checks continually. And to ask ourselves, when we hear the message of Jesus, how will we respond? 
Do we really trust God's word? Do we really trust that it has the power alone to change our hearts? And so with that thought this morning, we're going to look at four short parables as we end our time in Mark together. Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 34. And I'm just going to pray for our hearts this morning as we look at these words. Father, I just I ask this morning, some of us maybe have heard these over and over and over again, and we think we know what they say, but Father, would you soften our hearts so we could approach them like we've never heard them before? Lord, some, whether online or in person, they're, they're tuning in, and they, they're, they're just... Their, their attitude is one of patronization. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here because I have a loved one that cares about this thing. Uh, I'm here because, yeah, Christianity's not so bad, but it's not for me. Lord, I pray, no matter where our hearts are this morning, that we might be humble enough to receive your word. We might be humble enough to, to realize we don't know all the answers. We don't have the strength to overcome every situation in our life. Father, would you speak to us this morning? May we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you just read in one of these first couple of parables, um, he read something that Jesus wants us to consider. So listen to this again. This is Jesus speaking. He said to them, Do you bring a lamp in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus says this a number of times. Basically, he's saying, are you paying attention? Are you actually listening to what I'm saying? And what Jesus wants us to, to see here is who he is. Now, first, let's talk a little cultural context here. In the ancient world, there was no smart bulbs there was no electricity. When you had a lamp, it was typically an oil lamp. You, uh, there was no lampshade. You wouldn't put a lampshade on an oil lamp. There was stands in the homes that they would be up high so they could cast the light in as big a radius as possible. Some of you lost the power a week ago when, when the big storm that we had, and you were having to find candles, and you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you don't stick the candle in the corner. You stick it in a place where it can cast the most amount of light. So what Jesus is talking about here, what is he talking about? In the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Luke, there's uh, some different sayings of Jesus where he talks very similar to this about how we are to reflect the light of Jesus. We grew up singing a song like that. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know that song, right? So we would, we would sing these songs and and we had this idea that we're to be that. And in Matthew and in Luke, Jesus uses that illustration for that very purpose. So it'd be easy if you've read those in the past to read Mark and, and think again, this is about you. But it's not about you. What is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is saying, this is about me. It's about me. It's about Jesus and his message. The, the Savior that you have been waiting for, for those Jews that have heard the prophecies, he is here. I'm here. 
And the words and deeds of Jesus, they they begin to reveal something about the kingdom of God. And that's what he wants it to be shouted. He wants it to be proclaimed. He doesn't want it to be overlooked by the miracles, overlooked by the demonic stuff that he's dealing with. He wants the kingdom message to be plain. And he wants him as the messenger to be understood. So Jesus is talking about himself here. Like, we're not going to keep this quiet. I want people to know the truth. And so then he goes on. He says, basically, if you are listening to me, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This sounds a little bit like a riddle, right? (laughs) What what is he talking about? But it's another parable. He's, He's trying to give an illustration to the people that were listening. And this is really a a promise with both positive and negative implications. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you receive the good news of the kingdom, it's going to multiply in your life. It's going to grow. Like what you receive, you're going to get more of that. It's It's going to affect the rest of your life. But if you don't, If you don't receive that, then someday that light that you once got a glimpse of, that share of the kingdom that was offered to you, it's not going to be there anymore. Earlier when Lavelle was preaching a few weeks ago, talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, this idea that if you continue to reject the offer of God, then you will one day be cast out. You will not have an opportunity anymore. And so this parable connects with that. If you receive the good news, it's going to multiply. But if you don't, it's going to be gone. So again, the question we ask ourselves is, where's your heart? Do you see what the kingdom looks like? Will you receive the truth of Jesus? When I was a kid, um, there was these books, uh, may, I think they might still make them, they're called Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Anybody ever see those? So basically the way it works is you're, you're reading a story, and at some point in the story, you actually get pulled into it. You get, to, you get to influence where the story goes from there. And so it would be like, okay, if you're going to walk into this dark cave, turn to page 45. If you're going to run out of the cave, turn to page 54. And so then you would turn, you'd make your decision, all right, I'm going in the cave, and you turn to page 45, and you'd be like, good choice, <laughs> you know, or be like, bad choice, you just died. Go back to page 23, you know. <laughs> and there was, so there's this kind of like, all right, it's, it, it felt like, a, like dangerous. Now as a kid, you, you'd kind of put your finger in the pages as you go, so you could turn back if you made a mistake. And, but really what Jesus is wanting us to, to decide as we, as we've, seen who he is. We've seen what he's done, and now we're hearing what he's saying. What he's wanting us to decide is, are we going to follow him? Are we going to take the next step? Are we going to receive this truth? He who has ears to hear, does Jesus have your attention yet? If no, go back to Mark 1.1. Start over. (laughs) If yes, Turn to verse 26. Let's go ahead and do that. Everybody chose 26, right? Great choice. 
since you're ready to receive from Jesus and learn more about the kingdom of God, let's look at two more short parables of what the kingdom of God is like. Are you ready? Verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First, the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Basic science, right? Nothing revolutionary here. But what is Jesus talking about? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, every year, I'm not a green thumb at all, but every year I plant climbing peas in the ground. We started this when we lived in Spokane. And, and I put them in the ground, and within two weeks usually, maybe three weeks, depending on how good I water them, there's a sprout in the ground. And then weeks later, this thing has grown feet, and it begins to produce food that we can eat. Take that for granted, but it's pretty cool. My kids from a very young age, they love it because they go out and they have a snack whenever they want. I usually don't get very many. <laughs> so what Jesus is saying is the message of the kingdom is it works the same way. It produces something that you and I actually have very to no little control over. Locked within this seed is something amazing that produces something beautiful and good and nourishing. And, and when we think about the message of Jesus, uh, I, I, I can honestly say that the message of Jesus changes people's lives. And it, it does it in such a way that it actually changes the way that they live. And it changes the destiny of families. And I'm a product of that. E even if I never would have received Christ, I would have received the benefits of the kingdom because of my parents' decision to follow Christ. But I have received Christ. And so my children get the benefits of the kingdom of God. And how does this message change lives? Honestly, at a certain level, I don't really know. There's, a, there's, there's something more than just a moral message. It's something more than just a, hey, you're valued and treasured. It is that. But there is something more powerful than that that I just cannot fully described to you because it is spiritually powerful just like I can't I, I don't have I don't exactly know how a seed works even scientists they can break down the process but how did this thing come to be it's miraculous the word of God works in this way it contains power Isaiah chapter 55, God himself speaks of his word. He says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Like the, the, the reflection of the power of God is all around us in the created world. That's why God uses this as an illustration because we can see that. 
We can understand how that works at a certain level. And this is God's work, both in the natural and in the spiritual world. So for those of you who who chose to move on to verse 26, this is our assignment. Our assignment is to spread the seed, to proclaim the word of the Lord of his coming kingdom. You and I have got the power of the kingdom in our lives, and we have the responsibility, the opportunity to share it and to live it out. And the good news is it will produce. It will work. So then the other question is, why are we afraid? Why are we afraid of the message of Jesus? I think there's a couple reasons, usually because of one of two problems. One is, we've already decided what the response to the message is going to be. Like, let's not pretend we don't live in a Christian nation. There's a lot of Christians here, but there's a lot of folks that say they believe Jesus but live differently. There's a lot that just flat out reject the existence of God. And so we've already made up our minds at how people might respond to the gospel. We think that we know people's hearts. Only God does. This last week, um, really cool story. Uh, a friend of mine, his name is Patrick. Actually, him and his family were a part of our church for a short time before they moved. He uh, sent me a text and he said, hey, Andrew, um, uh, we just had a gospel conversation with this man that lives near you. And, you know, he lives up near Redmond. And he said, I would love to connect you uh, and him together because I think God's doing something in his heart. And so can we have breakfast? And so we did. We had breakfast. And this man was born in Punjab, India. So um, most, most folks that are born in Punjab, India, um, are Sikh in their religion. And, and so I could easily have said, oh, what's the point? He's a Sikh. Why, why would we want to talk about the gospel? But I said, what an opportunity. And so we had breakfast, and we began to share stories, and we began to share the truth of the gospel. And I, began, and I got to pray for him at the end of our time. And as we prayed, he began to weep. God was doing something, and I'm not in control of, of what that seed is going to produce, but I am available to spread it. Are you available? Have you already decided what people are going to say? Your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors? Don't do that. God wants you to be available. The other reason why we often don't spread the seed is because we don't actually believe it works. And this is, a, I definitely think this is a, a, an American Western problem. We think so scientifically about everything. We think so pragmatically about everything. We have uh, these phrases in our culture like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which basically gives the idea that you are in control of your destiny, that if you just work hard enough and do things hard enough, then life is going to work out. And so we don't actually believe that the gospel works. We go to church, but that's it. We, we read our Bibles, but that's it. There's no permeation in our life of the truth of God. There's no living by the kingdom. We don't actually believe it works. I, what we say to ourselves is, well, that's fine, but I want to do things by my own strength. It, it just doesn't work. Eventually, your strength will fail you. And then what? So look again at verse 28. What is what does the gospel do? All by itself. 
all by itself. The power of God is enough. You can't control it. I can't control it. But we can be faithful in yielding to it, in spreading it. The word of God, the truth of God, the message of Jesus contains its own power. Okay, so the lamp is shining. You've received the measure of Jesus and and the message of Jesus, and you've just received the assignment to spread his word. Are you ready for the next Choose Your Own Adventure? The kingdom of God is starting to come more into focus. So here's our opportunity. We can choose our own adventure. We can continue to verse 30. Or we can exchange our seed for something that we think can really usher in the kingdom of God. Like good, good legislative policy. That'll do it. The right person in the White House. That'll do it. Gun rights. Oh, for sure. If I can carry an AK-47, then God's kingdom will come. We, we, can, we can continue to verse 30 or we can do things in our strength. Where do we want to go? Anybody? All right, the rest of you can go grab your guns or whatever. Verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Listen up. It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and it becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. All right, look at this one again. This is the last parable. Uh, Of all the types of vegetation that Jesus could use to illustrate the, the power of the kingdom of God, there were these massive trees not far away in Lebanon called cedar trees. Why not that? Why not pick something just noted for kind of royal construction? Jesus picks a mustard seed. A mustard plant. Now, most of us probably have never seen a mustard plant, but they can get pretty big. But they also grow wild <laughs> in that part of the world. And yeah, the, the seed is really tiny. Think almost poppy seed size. And yeah, it can make a plant 8 to 10 feet. That's pretty impressive from a seed so small. But why a mustard bush? <laughs> There's a few things that are interesting to note about mustard um, plants. That I had to do a little research on this because uh, I'm not a horticulturist. Um, but one is I found out that mustard plants, when they do sprout and take hold, their roots are so strong that they're almost impossible to pull out. The other thing that was really fascinating is that a mustard seed, and most folks in Jesus' time would probably know this, a mustard seed can germinate. In other words, it can turn, it can sprout in three days. Yeah. (laughs) If I was smart, I would have ordered us all some mustard seeds on Amazon. We could have tried this out. But I imagine this parable began to take a little, make a little bit more sense after Jesus' death and resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Three days, Jesus rose from the grave. And I imagine it would have encouraged the church even that much more as they endured 
persecution for their faith. That what they were investing in the earth, what they were investing for the kingdom, would produce something beautiful. And as a missionary in our day, this kingdom reality should be even more encouraging to you and to me. One example of kingdom growth like this um, has occurred in a country that uh, about 100 years ago had less than 1% of the country following Christ. In the 18th century, and I've shared this before, South Korean monarchs who were largely of the Confucian faith executed most all of the early converts to Christianity. As a result, what was left in Korea were very few Christians, and those that were still Christians remained hidden very underground. Some years later, uh, as Korea began to open up and American missionaries began to come there to spread the gospel yet again, they did two things. They started modern schools to help educate the children in Korea, and then they translated the Bible into the language of the people. You see the seeds that began to sow, be sown in the culture. By the end of World War II, the Christian population was still only about 2% in the country of Korea. But then it began to grow. And now nearly 30% of South Korea is Christian. And only America sends more missionaries than South Korea does, this small nation. Korean Christians have been seized in Afghanistan, beheaded in Iraq, and stopped by their own embassy from singing hymns in the country of Yemen. Many Korean missionaries work undercover in China, some riskily helping North Koreans to flee. And as many as a thousand Koreans have reportedly had their Chinese visas canceled due to their Christian faith. Jessica and I had the privilege of working with some Korean missionaries in the country of China some years ago. Now in the United States, over 70% of Korean Americans are Christian. This is what kingdom growth looks like. The seeds of the gospel, when they are planted, don't just change the heart of the person, but they change the heart of the nation. So I'll state the obvious here as we think about these parables of Jesus. Belief in the kingdom of God, takes faith. It took faith 2,000 years ago to believe that God was working through a carpenter's son from Nazareth, and it takes faith today to believe that God is still working in the same way. Do you believe it? Through you and through me, through everyone who's put their faith in Jesus and now lives for him. And I don't want you to believe the lie that you're not educated enough, that you haven't been walking with Jesus long enough. That, oh, you need to be a pastor or a missionary to share the, your faith and to see the results of the kingdom. Because each person sitting in this room and those watching online, I have to remember that too, have the same seed. The mystery of how God accomplishes his purposes in the world, often silently and mysteriously, still applies to our lives today. Following Jesus today means that we believe that really to find life, we have to be willing to give up ours. That true faith, true life comes by the power of humbling ourselves. 
And that victory often means for the Christian being subject to defeat. The world operates on completely different standards by taking life, by exerting power over others, and by going out in force in order to conquer. It's no wonder the world is so often blind to God's presence and rule. God's kingdom works differently. It works subversively behind the scenes. It it works one heart at a time. But when that transformation happens, it has a massive ripple effect in families, in culture, and in society. God's kingdom is counterintuitive, but that shouldn't surprise us. After all, the gospel of Jesus is based on grace. That is, favor that you get that you didn't deserve. That's what Jesus' message is based on. And so this is already a message that just confounds our expectations and tells us that things are not what they seem. Though sinful, we are forgiven. Though broken, we are redeemed. And today, while I'm still debating with God about his timing of taking my (laughs) father-in-law, one thing I am so blessed to be able to say is that Pete knew Jesus. He loved Jesus. He shared Jesus. He didn't hide him. He spread him, and he lived the message. And now he's received the promise of the kingdom of God fully. So this morning, my hope is that we can leave here, this place, with a greater sense of peace, peace that comes from knowing the power of Jesus and his message. I mean, if if I can believe that that seed that I plant for a stinking climbing pea plant is going to work. Think I can believe the message of Jesus. The word of God has power. And this morning, if you've received it in your heart, that power is still at work in you. So don't believe the lies of the enemy that, that you're, you're where you're, you're going to be the rest of your life. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. God's work in you is still happening. So don't hide Jesus as if he's one accessory of your life. Make him, like the lamp, the center of your life. And don't be afraid to preach and live the gospel. You be faithful and trust God to do the rest. Amen? And I'll end with this verse, one of my favorites, from Romans 1.16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Let's stand together and pray this morning. Father, we are not ashamed of your gospel, but sometimes I vacillate a little bit. Sometimes in my weakness, I doubt it. Sometimes I make up my mind on how it's going to be received. And Father, I repent for that. Even this morning, God, before I preached this message, I had to repent to you for my unbelief. So, Lord, this morning, as we ask you to show yourself to us, as we've heard your word, may it accomplish what you desire it to accomplish, first in our hearts, Lord, then in our families, and then in our society, Lord. 
Oh, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your grace that you give to us. This favor that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve. What a weird message in a culture that says we have to work harder. What you say and said, I have done the work. Receive it. So, Lord, may we receive it this morning, the promise of your kingdom. Oh, Jesus, would you speak to our hearts? As we sing this last song, God, would you speak what needs to be spoken to us individually? And, Lord, as a church, would you turn us toward you and toward your power, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.